You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thank you for tuning into The Worship Review, where we critically examine the texts of Christian music. My name is Tyler. And my name is Colin. And man, I'm excited, Tyler, that we made it through all of these songs. Of course, Christmas runs for 12 days. It doesn't just end on the 25th of December. And so we're finishing up our Christmas songs with this final song. And what are we doing today, Tyler? Today, we're going to be taking a look at a 1980s Christian pop Christmas song called Mary Did You Know. Colin, why don't we start out with some basics? What's this song about? So Mary Did You Know is, first of all, a song written by a guy named Mark Lowry, who was pastoring a church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And can anything good come out of Lynchburg, Virginia, you ask? Um, evidently, this song, <laughs> evidently, this song uh, came out of Lynchburg, Virginia, and... The song is a song to Mary. It's asking Mary, the mother of Jesus, a variety of questions about her knowledge of Jesus. So the song is asking, categorically speaking, whether Mary knew that Jesus would perform certain miracles, like walking on water or healing people or whether Jesus would be a savior. The song also even asks Mary if she's aware that Jesus is the Son of God. The song doesn't answer these questions, but the questions do seem more rhetorical than anything. Like, these things about Jesus are true, and it just seems like the Mary did you know line is a construct to point these things out. At the same time, of course, we do have to address the fact that each of these lines begins with a question to Mary as to whether she knew these things. Yeah, and I think these rhetorical questions are designed to marvel at Christ, marvel at his work and his accomplishments, but they're peculiar as rhetorical questions because, as we'll see, some of these would be answered with yes, and some of these we can't be sure that the answer was yes to. They may have been no or maybe yeah, or uh, partly. Yes. she Did she know that Christ would walk on water? Well, that's oddly specific. Yeah, so and, probably not. No, that information was not relayed to her directly, at least as far as we can tell from the scriptures. Right. I'd like to give our listeners a little bit of background on how this song was written and for what occasion. Okay. So you mentioned Mark Lowry. He gave an interview with Martha Lyon of AbsolutelyGospel.com, which is reported in SheetMusicDirect.com. And he, he, these are his words. The, the interviewer asked him what the context was in which he wrote this song. And he said, My pastor asked me to write the Christmas program for our church called The Living Christmas Tree. And I wrote some monologue to go in between the songs. I started thinking and wondering if Mary realized the power, authority, and majesty that she cradled in her arms that first Christmas. I wondered if she realized those little hands were the same hands that scooped out oceans and formed rivers. I just tried to put into words the unfathomable. I started thinking of the questions I would have for her if I were to sit down and have coffee with Mary. You know, what was it like raising God? What did you know? What didn't you know? So the context in which he's written this is, for a Christmas program, but it's it's important to note the framework, the, the frame of mind that he has for this song. He wants these questions to be questions where he's sitting down across from Mary, asking her what it was like to raise Jesus. I mean, I suppose apart from the questions, there's a, a bridge, I guess you'd call it, which 
explain some things that will happen. I don't know whether this is referencing to a will happen in the future from the night that Mary is holding Jesus, or if these are a will happen in the future from now, but there are a variety of things that will happen. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, and what they'll speak are the praises of the Lamb. We could that suggests some forward-looking and some looking back towards Jesus's earthly ministry, especially the line, the dumb will speak the praises of the lamb. That's, that very much carries a, a tone of, of revelation to it. But then some of this stuff, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, and would be both, I guess. So that's something that happens in the song. When I read these lines, I interpreted them as um, coming from the frame of reference of the time point of the birth of Jesus. And mm-hmm. so this is looking forward, like you said, to his earthly ministry. Um, and we see many miracles described here that he did actually produce mm-hmm. on earth. Uh, and I wonder if there is also a a foreshadowing of the conversion of many to come. I wonder if this is meant to point to um, those who wandered in darkness, seeing a great light and coming okay. to faith in the God of Israel because of what Jesus is going to do on earth. Now, that may be stretching it a little bit. Yeah, why do you think that? Because we see um, death raising to life as mm-hmm. uh, an image throughout uh, at least the Pauline letters for uh, the conversion yeah. of souls. Ephesians chapter 2, for example. Yes, and um, it seems to me, so So from that parallel, I'm also applying, in a way that many modern praise and worship songs do, apply blind turning to sight, deafness turning to the ability yeah. to hear, as um, as euphemisms. Yeah, or maybe as products of that template for salvation. So that's that's where I'm interpreting that. But I understand maybe that's a stretch and maybe maybe I'm applying that too broadly. But it seems like if if Mary's holding Jesus and then this narrator is saying the blind will see, the deaf will hear, he may be talking about what's to come in the next 33 years. Or he may be talking about what's to come yeah. in the next 2,000 plus. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I mean, the blind seeing is certainly a euphemism for conversion. And it is actually a thing that accompanies conversion in the case of Paul, for example. And other songs use use that language as well. So, um, and can it be, does, and leap ye lame for joy. It uses language of physical healing to allegorize of spiritual conversion. Mm-hmm. Amazing Grace is another good example of that. That's right. Was blind, but now I see. Um, like you said, it's not always clear what will happen and what is happening right now and what has happened. But just uh, briefly, I'll say this baby boy is the subject of many verbs in this song, mm-hmm. um, many of which are in the in the future. So mm-hmm. the baby boy will walk on water, will save our children, will come to make Mary new, will give sight to the blind, will calm the storm. This baby boy will rule the nations. This baby boy is the face of God, is the Lord of all creation, is the great I am, is heaven's perfect lamb, and the baby boy has walked where angels trod. Those are all the things that the baby boy, obviously Jesus Christ, does or will do or has done in mm-hmm. this song. And... There, there's not a much action coming from Mary. Um, she's actually quite passive in the song. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's just the one being um, gently interrogated yeah. by the and in, and in fact, even the way that the questions are being asked, they don't even require her to answer. Like, because the questions are being asked and asked in such a definite way. Like, Mary, did you know this will happen? Which further undergirds the argument that these are rhetorical questions. Yeah that these are not meant to have literal answers immediately. That doesn't yeah. mean they don't have answers. That just means they, she isn't meant to answer these questions. Yeah. 
Good, Colin, let's let's take a dive then into the first stanza, the first verse of this song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Okay, I want to start actually with the first half of that, and that is just the question, Mary, did you know? Now, we've already talked about the rhetorical function of that, and I think in the first instance, we should take Mary, did you know, rhetorically. However, we also have to accept that despite its clear rhetorical intention, we have to actually examine the appropriateness of this question, not just as a rhetorical device, but how consistent it is with Scripture. So in some of these questions, if we actually look into it, the answer, the answer is yes, or the answer is no, or the answer is partially or maybe. So Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Well, specifically, almost certainly not. I mean, no, we don't see anything in Scripture where an angel tells Mary that he's going to walk on water. Uh, whether he is going to do something more broad than that, i.e., whether he is going to perform miracles. I.e. is Latin for that is. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm speaking like I write, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> I.e. means it est. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, listeners. Be happy. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was saying. Um, uh, whether he's going to do something more broadly. Yeah. Actually, here, let me let me rewind. Let's actually look at what Mary knew. Let me start with that, and then we'll go through line by line, okay? We know what Mary knew from Scripture. Now, this doesn't necessarily limit everything that Mary might have known, but it gives us the best evidence for what Mary knew, and we should go with that first. So we know, for example, from Luke 1, that an angel spoke to Mary about a few aspects which are relevant to this song. So the angel says in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. So she knows that. She knows that he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then in verse 35, the angel adds something. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So Mary knows quite a bit already, just even before Jesus is born. She knows that Jesus is going to be the Son of God. She knows what his name's going to be. She, she knows his divine origins. She knows that he's great. She knows he's going to be a king of some kind. She knows that his reign is going to last forever. Yeah, we can tell that she was comprehending this as wild as it was because of her incredulity. She yeah. responds with the question, how shall this be since I am a virgin, right? Right. So she's clearly apprehending a lot that's coming at her. Yeah. And she gets more knowledge too because angels go to other people and say some things as well. So Zechariah is told early in the chapter in verse 17 um, of his son to come, John the Baptist, he will go on before the Lord mm. in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parent to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then we have Mary, the um, angel Gabriel coming to Mary. No, it's definitely Gabriel for it's Gabriel Zechariah. For, is it sure Gabriel, Gabriel for, for Mary? I think it's Gabriel for Mary. Okay. Well, and then we go to the angel appearing before Mary. And then we go to Mary traveling to visit Elizabeth. And what does Elizabeth say to Mary when she walks in? She exclaims in a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. And then Mary responds with a Magnificat, so praising the Lord. Clearly, Mary was not ignorant of what was to come. Yeah, nor were her friends, obviously, and relatives. Like, clearly, this was a message that other people knew about. There's a lot there, even before Jesus is born, that Mary clearly knows, and it's not as though she forgot it. She, I mean, childbirth is traumatic, but... <laughs> 
I don't think it was enough for her to forget these declarations that were made. Now, then the night that Jesus was born, there are similar things that are reinforced. So the shepherds are out tending their flocks and the angels come to them and the, the, an angel says a few things to them. One of the things that is said to the shepherds is, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that's Luke chapter 2, verse 11. So the angels tell the shepherds that Jesus Christ is Savior. They use Christ, which is not Jesus's surname. It is title, the, the Messiah. It's the anointed one. And the shepherds when the shepherds go to the manger, this is what happens in Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 19. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So they tell Mary and Joseph what they heard. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, verse 19, treasured up these things pondering them in her heart. She does this a few times, actually, with things that are said about Jesus in his infancy and then in his childhood. She, she's clearly like ruminating on things over and over and over again. So like this happens again when uh, Jesus is uh, older. So when they go to present Jesus at the temple, there are prophets that speak, uh, a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. They speak about Jesus and again, speak about the work that he's going to accomplish, his kingdom, saving, that sort of thing. Jesus, so Mary obviously hears these things. She thinks about them. Now, that, so that, what that tells us is Mary knew quite a lot. Now, as for what Mary did not know, we do have some evidence in Scripture that there are things that she did not know or certainly did not fully comprehend. And we actually have evidence that Mary really didn't fully get the magnitude of who Jesus was. Jesus's family are in Jerusalem and the family leave the city. And Mary and Joseph believe that Jesus is just with, you know, with their group, but they just, you know, they just can't see him. But he actually stayed in Jerusalem and he was at the temple. And eventually Mary and Joseph go back and they find Jesus in the temple. And what we find out is that you know, Jesus has been there the whole time. And Jesus says to Mary, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And Luke 2 verse 50 says, they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. So there's something about Jesus saying that he was in his father's house that didn't fully register with Mary and Joseph. And Mary treasured those things in her heart, according to Luke. So she, she kind of pondered them. She kept them and she ruminated on them. So even though she had been told explicitly that Jesus was the son of God numerous times, there's something about Jesus saying, Did, didn't you realize I'd be in my father's house? That threw Mary off and Joseph off. And there's a point, even when Jesus is older, and this is the last of these I'll bring up, we read about it in Mark chapter 3, where Jesus is still trying to keep his miracle working power a little bit quiet. He's not quite ready to jump onto the scene yet, and he starts to attract crowds. And the crowds are, are following him around, and we're told that his family, and presumably this includes Mary, although it just says his family, so don't know for sure this includes Mary, they uh, thought that Jesus was out of his mind, that he was crazy in some way. So Mary knew some things, but she seems to have also had some doubts or maybe just some incomplete knowledge. And this wouldn't make Mary in any way exceptional because even Jesus's own disciples couldn't fully grasp who he was. There are a couple of other examples that might also help here. Um, at the wedding at Cana, yeah. 
Exactly. She knows that there's something very remarkable about her son because when the when the bridegroom runs out of wine, she knows that Christ can um, miraculously produce more wine. Mm-hmm. That's that tells you that she knew that he was more than just a normal child. Yeah. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? So to get back to the assertions here, and we'll notice that throughout the song, they grow in grandeur. The first one is that he would one day walk on water. You said you don't think that she had knowledge of that before. Yeah, that's very specific. Yeah, I agree with you. What about would save our sons and daughters? See, to me, she has to know this because this is what is explicitly said to the angels, which was then repeated back to Mary. This is There are clear implications of God saving his people in the... What, what Mary hears prior to Jesus' birth. Mary sings a song of praise to God while she's visiting Elizabeth. This has come to be called the Magnificat just because the first word in Latin is Magnificat, um, glorifies. So um, she says in this song of praise, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And then, Later on, she says, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I think she knew that he had come to save our sons and daughters. Yeah. Again, we we have to accept that this is rhetorical, but even in being rhetorical, it asks a nonsense question, basically. Right. So we have to we have to hold it to a, some account for that. Like there are good rhetorical questions, and then there are silly rhetorical questions. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a silly question mm-hmm. because, like you're saying, even someone who did not pronounce the Magnificat, who was Jewish at this time, would have remembered that the Messiah was coming to save God's people. Yeah. So it, it does seem to be a very yeah, almost almost offensively simplistic yeah. question to ask. It's, it's like asking somebody, "And did you know that the sky was blue?" You know, or something like that. It just it, it would be kind of insulting. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? Kind of vague. What does make you new mean? Does it mean conversion? Does it mean this? I get this starts to get on some battleground between Protestants and Catholics as the next line will really get into. This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. First of all, it's a clever line. It's playing on two different definitions of deliver, which is to deliver a baby, and then to deliver in terms of to rescue. And the issue here is that a good portion of those under the broad umbrella of Christendom do not believe that Mary needs any kind of rescue, that Mary was sinless. So that's one issue here. Catholics do not like this line. It directly contradicts the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. So this is Pope Pius in the mid-19th century. The flesh of the Virgin, although derived from Adam, did not contract the stains of Adam, and that on this account the most blessed Virgin was the tabernacle created by God himself and formed by the Holy Spirit. She is beautiful by nature and entirely free from all stain, that at her immaculate conception, she came into the world all radiant like the dawn. For it was certainly not fitting that this vessel of election should be wounded by the common injuries, since she, differing so much from the others, had only nature in common with them, not sin. In fact, it was quite fitting that as the only begotten has a father in heaven, whom the seraphim extol as thrice holy, so he should have a mother on earth who would never be without the splendor of holiness. Now, 
as a Protestant, uh, them's fighting words. Uh, <laughs> and admittedly, our view probably to Catholics are fighting words. Sure. I, I, I understand why there was a lot of contention in the early decades and beyond of the Protestant Reformation, because I wholly reject and deny what Pope Pius said there. And of course, I imagine those listeners who are Catholic would, would wholly deny the opposite of this and, and would, of course, deny what is being said in this song, because what is being said is that Mary requires a savior, that Mary is uh, needing to be made new. Again, it doesn't outright say that Mary is tainted by sin, but clearly that's the implication that she's in need of a savior. I imagine that the desire to see Mary as sinless um, comes from a desire to see the um, material that was used to produce Christ, if God did in fact use Mary's material yeah. to produce Christ, to be perfect, because they believe that Christ is perfect, like we do. Yes, there is a lot. There is a logic to the Immaculate Conception. It's the idea that Jesus is a second Adam, but he is a second Adam that is not in any way tainted by Adam's sin. So there is a logic to the idea that there must be no sin in the womb that grew Jesus's cells and grew him as a baby not to the extent of the Immaculate Conception, but to a certain extent, I understand this. because, And I think there's some significance that Mary was a virgin for this reason, because my wife and I have been talking about this lately. Barrenness is something that occurs routinely in Scripture. The idea of a broken womb, a womb that is defective in some way, and I'm not saying women who can't have children have a defective womb. I'm saying in Scripture, it's often presented that way. And what God often does in these cases is he heals the womb, or there's an old woman whose womb is no longer working, and he yet will give that woman a child. And Jesus is the one exception to that. God doesn't heal a womb that is broken. He doesn't redeem a womb. Instead, he starts with a fresh womb, a womb which has never had a child, and so this to me does speak to an aspect of, of God's plan being that Jesus should not come from the seed of humanity that is to be redeemed because of a fall. Jesus is to be nurtured and grown in a womb that is in some way pristine, I guess. The, I, the extension of that to Mary being sinless is ludicrous, and there's just simply no justification for that in Scripture, none whatsoever. And if we hold to the to the idea of sola scriptura, as Protestants do, we we can't we can't go there. Because she says at the beginning of the Magnificat, "My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior." And the angel has already explained to her that the child to be born to her shall be the son of the Lord Most High and shall be God himself. So if she says, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior, I think she did know that this child will be her Savior, will yeah. soon deliver her. Yeah, no, I guess let me say she may not have known the exact mechanism by which this was to happen, but she clearly knew. And, and the song doesn't give the exact mechanism the song is quite broad that Jesus is going to deliver Mary. She definitely knew that. She definitely knew that much. So again, kind of a silly question. Okay, well, let's look at the second verse then yeah. and see if uh, see if we can help make some sense of it. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Yeah, and this, again, I'd couple this, if you don't mind, with the next line as well, which are in the categories of working miracles. Mary, did you know that your baby would give sight to a blind man? Did you know that your baby boy 
will calm the storm with his hand. Now, no, she doesn't know specifically that Jesus is going to heal the blind or that he's going to calm the storm. Does she know that he is supernatural? Definitely. The angel says to her that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her and that the power of the Most High will overshadow her. And she knows that Jesus is the Savior, and she knows that he's the Son of God. So, yeah, she knows that he's capable of doing these sorts of things. But no, she doesn't know he's going to do these specific things. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I I definitely said no for the blind man one. Um, I don't, because I, I think that's oddly specific, and I don't think mm-hmm. she would have had knowledge of that. But then I was thinking, if she was considering Moses, so God delivering his people through Moses mm. at the Red Sea, she may have seen the Messiah as having some command over the elements, the, the wind, yeah. the waters, and things like that. So maybe she could have conceived of Christ calming the storm. But again, it's it's actually, it's it's a very tenuous conjecture to make into the future. Yeah. Although, obviously, she would have known these stories from the past. So in some ways, these rhetorical questions are better than some of the other ones, because they just, of course, Mary didn't know specifically, but it gives the singer an opportunity to make a statement about what Jesus was going to do right. in a way that's not silly. Right. Or condescending, condescending. or something like that. Yeah. Did you know? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? I don't want to go to the next line yet. I want. I just want yeah. to say this. So, um, this is obviously meant to indicate that Christ was himself um, divine. Yeah. The problem is, Christ didn't have a corporeal body before the incarnation. Mm. So, to say that he walked is a stretch. At the very least, he existed. He is from eternity past. Um, he is co-essential with the Father, um, but he didn't do walking in heaven. He does now, but he didn't then. The only exception I could see to this, and I don't know my Christophanies well enough, do we see walking on earth in the Christophanies? In which case, you kind of have could have an argument there. I don't know that the song is trying to get into. I think the song is just being stylistic. I I think it's just trying to say that Jesus came from heaven. Maybe is what it's trying to say. But again, the problem is those words have specific meanings and yeah. they have theological weight. And I'm not saying that we should meticulously rip through every song yeah, for sure. any logical incoherence. I'm just saying it's important to note, and perhaps our listeners hadn't considered it this way. That he Christ did not have a body before yeah, the incarnation. Right, right. Now he has one, and we believe he will have one forever. Yes, now, yes. Um, at his ascension, he was taken up in his body. He comes yeah. again in human form. Yes. The implication is that he will always have a human body. But yes. He did not come to Earth all already having had a body, and then forsaking that body, and then taking yes. on a new. That would be very odd. Yes, and. I would not put these people under the umbrella of Christendom, but this, for example, echoes some of the ideas of Latter-day Saints, which is that we have, we were kind of pre-existing. We were all pre-existing in a way, and maybe even had bodies. I don't remember their view on this exactly, but we were pre-existing, and then we kind of get sent down into these new bodies that we have, and then I think we'll get yet another body later well, that stands in stark contrast to the Christian idea of yeah. the, this earthly body that I have now being glorified yes. at Christ's second coming. Yes. Um, okay. Okay. So it just a, I think a minor point to make, but an important point to make. When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. This is a line actually that I quite like. And I like what happens later, too. I think this echoes what happens later. And I think it's one thing that this song does pretty well. And that is, it gets to the idea of Jesus being fully God, fully man. In some ways, it's better than Silent Night at this. 
and it's very explicit about Jesus is a baby human being, but at the same time is not just going to perform miracles, but he is God in the flesh. And so when Mary kisses Jesus, she's kissing a human baby and at the same time is kissing God himself, that those two natures are there together in body of Christ. And I think in this line, we actually start to encounter some of the marvel and wonder that the author of this song intended for yeah. us. So when I read this song and I think of kissing a baby's face and then somehow incredibly also kissing the face of the God of the universe, that is marvelous. It is too high yeah. for me. It is great. Um, that's right. And I think that's what the author of this song was going for. Yeah, this really works. Like, There's no way that Mary could have comprehended what she was doing when she kissed Jesus and held his hand and changed his diapers. Like She could have even known that he was God and the Savior and all of these things, but still could not grasp the full craziness of that fact while she's doing these things. So that that like that is one of the really good uses of a rhetorical question. Okay, and then we come to this bridge that we've discussed yeah, already. Yeah, we kind of talked about it. The blind will see, the deaf will hear. We have these um, contrasts. Um, blind coming to sight, deaf hearing. The dead will live again. The lame will leap. The dumb will speak. The praises of the Lamb. Um, so this may be pointing to Christ's earthly ministry. Mm -hmm. This may be speaking to the conversion of sinful people. I like that they use the more archaic form for dumb yeah. rather than saying you know the mute. the mute yeah i i kind of like that because uh one just and this is a personal preference of mine i have noticed in some of the circles that i have run in a desire to remove language that is no longer sort of politically acceptable so the most egregious versions of this are changing words like white to bright in some songs, like brighter than snow rather than whiter than snow. Um, because, you know, there, I don't know, some person somewhere could possibly in some way be offended by this. And the same is true of the word dumb. Like this is no longer an acceptable way to refer to a person who cannot speak Meanwhile, I have a chip on my shoulder about the word lame in this song. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, lame is... I've been called lame one too many times. <laughs> Maybe by me, who knows? Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I kind of like using the, the, the older word dumb. It kind of just lines up with, with what we see in scripture a bit. Yeah. And translations. It, it reminds us that though these are pejorative terms, meaning insulting terms, they once were descriptive. Yeah. And you can use mean descriptions to insult people, but that doesn't mean that um, once these descriptors become pejoratives, that we then throw out both terms. We we can keep the descriptive meaning of dumb and lame, um, even after someone has made it into a an insult. It points to the humble origins of this song. If some producer really went to town on this song, they would have taken that out. You know what I'm saying? Like. If this song had been completely sanitized and if it appeared by some artists that we have looked at on this podcast, for example, that would, the word dumb would not be there. Yeah, I think it would be supplanted by a, a liberation image. Like the blind will see, um, the chains fall off. Yeah, the, something, something like something that. Else. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that that's in there just, I don't know, it's, it's, it, it speaks to, to me. It's weird because it's an archaism that ironically speaks to the song's authenticity in the way that it was written, which most of the time when you have forced archaisms, it usually speaks to inauthenticity or a contrivance, right? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? 
these rhetorical questions keep getting bigger yeah. throughout the song. Uh, and we reach this third verse that ironically, in its attempt to be grandiose, is really, in my opinion, quite insulting to Mary. So, okay. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Zechariah was told that his child will prepare the way for the Lord. And when Mary visits that couple, she is clearly affirmed as the mother of the Lord to come. And she's told by the angel that he will be great and the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign forever. Um, she's told that she's going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and that the power of the Most High will overshadow her. Remember that in verse 32, the child was going to be called the Son of the Most High. Mm -hmm. So she's going to be uh, overpowered by the same uh, Most High, and that child will be the Son of God. So I think yes is the answer to this question. Okay. Um, now, I can see the argument being made, no, she thought it was going to be God's Son, but not God himself, maybe. If you want to make the argument that the things that were announced to her convinced her that she was going to have the Son of God, which I think is quite reasonable from Scripture, um, but she was not yet aware that God was three persons, one mm -hmm. essence, then maybe this question is, is a reasonable rhetorical question. Yeah. Actually, it's getting into some interesting <laughs> theological ground. Listeners can tell us. I just don't know whether theologians have worked on the extent to which, like, has it been a question, has there been some journal article written about whether Mary understood the Trinity? However, I do know that many people will point to the psalm in which David says, the Lord said to my Lord, uh -huh. uh, as maybe early evidence that he was comprehending a larger a, sure. a truth about the Trinity. Sure. And, a sen and the sense in which there, there clearly is an idea of the Spirit of God that exists in the Psalms and other places where there, there's, there seems to be an understanding that there's some distinction. If there's ever a re- or somebody else decides to redo this song, they should have a line, Mary, did you know that the God is triune, that, that your son is part of a Trinity? That would be a fascinating... <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> Uh, somehow I don't think, well, I don't know what rhymes with Trinity though. So that's got a problem there. Infinity. Infinity. That's where I went. Yeah. Divinity. So. Divinity. The, um, the next line though, is I think uh, a resounding yes, she knew this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nation? Did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations. Well, no, yep. she was just told that. Yeah, she was absolutely told She was just told, told that, that sure. the throne of yep. David will be his forever. Yep, so she knew that. No question. Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? Interesting question. Mary would understand the Jewish sacrificial system and could have intuited the idea that God was going to provide a lamb. There are a lot of Old Testament prophecies that speak of God allowing his wrath to fall upon his anointed one. She did know that he was a savior. She did get told that explicitly. And surely she has to have known that he was perfect and that he was from heaven. So it's the question, did she know he was the sacrificial lamb? If we are supposed to interpret lamb as sacrificial, which I think we are. I think we should. Yeah. The sleeping child you're holding is the great oh <laughs> Yes, yes. Probably aspects of it. There's one thing that I brought up earlier that I like to yeah. explain now, and that is that the the end of each stanza begins not with uh, an obvious question. It, it's not Mary, did you know that this child you that you delivered will soon deliver you? This is this is uttered either as the second half of a question which has the first half suppressed or inferred from the previous lines, or it's an assertion. So if it's an assertion, I think it gives the song a little bit more credence. Um, okay. Like, um, did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? 
And then if we interpret the following line as an, an assertion, when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. That would be then... Yes, not a question. Right. That okay. would be maybe meant to even hint at an answer to some of these questions. And so the lyrics to this song are often have the punctuation added. I would be curious what the original lyrics were meant to imply mm. here. Um, and I don't know the answer. I would guess just because almost everything else is framed as a question that it was originally a question. Sure. I don't know. Okay, so this song was meant to serve as interludes between songs at the Living Christmas Tree Christmas program. And the author was wondering what Mary did and didn't know as she was raising Jesus. Colin, do you think it's a successful song in achieving that end, in wondering what she did and didn't know if we were to sit down with her for coffee? I actually just want to say one thing. It would be it would be interesting to go back and say, Laurie, did you know that your song in your play would sell million. 10 million records? <laughs> <laughs> Laurie, did you know how greedy those Christian producers could be who gave you, you know, 2% of the royalties or something? Mm. And you probably didn't even get that. Who knows? Uh, what was your question? What was your actual serious question? Uh, do you think this song succeeds at... Asking Mary what she did or didn't know if we were to sit down with her for coffee? In part. You know, I think some of these questions are really useful questions and interesting questions, and some of them are just just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Very well. Would you recommend that this song be uh, sung in churches? I would say definitely not, only because I just don't see the point. It is a song— which, yes, does deliver some profound truths about Christ. In fact, in some ways, it delivers truth more clearly and coherently than some other Christmas songs. I just find the, the delivery, the mechanism for delivery, a little bit clumsy to the point where I just don't think it makes sense to sing this song in a church service. I do think it probably makes sense to sing it in its original context. If there was a church play, this would be interesting because it would cause— the audience of the play to think. And then you would kind of get some idea of it, presumably in the scenes that were acted out in front of you. But if you're singing this song as a song, it's just, it comes so quickly and you get no time to think about these lines. And some of these lines require a lot of thought. And then again, some of these lines are just silly. So what do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I agree with your, uh, with your assertion that singing it in the context of a Christmas play would give these lines better context and would help make sense of it. But as it as it exists, um, the, the inconsistent use of the rhetorical question distracts more than it helps, in my mind. And it implies that she didn't know things that she obviously did know. And there are things that she can't have been expected to know that it also seems to want her to have. This song raises more questions than it answers. Well, that's definitely true. And it's it's meant these so these and and it's ironic because these questions are meant to be rhetorical. They're meant to not require an answer. And in asking these rhetorical questions in inconsistent ways, it leaves me scratching my head and if I were in charge of the music for uh Christmas service or something like that. I think I would rather just read the first chapter of Luke than sing this song. I really would. I think yeah. it, this song, it it just confuses people and it would be better not to sing it. But I will say this, there's some, there's some redeeming things about it. It says nothing false about Christ. Yeah. It says many true things about Christ. True and very specific things. Yes. There are scriptural references yeah. and... It does a good job of foreshadowing the ministry of Christ. Yeah. It, I mean, even it really does a good job of transmitting the, the dual nature of Christ, the God, Christ being fully God and fully man. Like That's hard to do in a song. It does a pretty good job of that. Christ is the Savior. He's the miracle worker. He's God himself. He's Lord of creation. He's the perfect lamb. I mean, this is a, this is a lot of good stuff in this song. It's just the delivery is so clumsy. 
Yeah. I mean, if you could scratch the rhetorical questions, but yeah. keep a lot of the content, yeah. you would have a really good song, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Your baby boy will one day walk on water. Yes. Your baby boy will one day save our sons and daughters. You'd have yeah. like a a decent backbone for a song. So Colin, what would you give this song out of five? I would give this song two out of five American Idols. Did Clay Aiken? Clay Aiken. You got it. Clay Aiken managed to chart with this song. Good old Clay. I the was, first American Idol, right? No, no, he wasn't the, the first. Second? I think he oh, was wait, the second. Oh, wait, Kelly. Yeah, Kelly Clarkson. Clarkson. Or wait, I think that Clay Aiken didn't win. Ruben Stuttered won. Yes, he lost to that that guy. Yes. And I don't even know who that other guy is anymore. I don't even know what happened to him. I, and, and I remember I watched that season. I did too. So how old were you? I you was a child. My mother yeah. loved that show. Yeah. We would sit down and watch it every night. But um, I, I remember thinking that Clay Aiken was a easy shoe in. I was shocked that that guy, Ruben, whatever, like even made it to the final round. Man, if you won the early seasons of American Idol, you ended up having a pretty good career. Didn't Kelly Clarkson have a very successful yes, yes. music career after that? Yes, and I think, um, was Leanne Rimes an American Idol winner? There was a country singer person at some point that won it too. You're right. And, and they went on to be very successful yes. in the country. And even some of the early um, rejects, like William Hung, hmm. managed to do really well, too. Whom you can, <laughs> get love- a, you can get a personalized message from William Hung on uh, Cameo.com for 30 bucks, by the way. I noticed this. Yeah. I need to do that. Yes. So if you pay him 30 bucks, he'll make a little video for you or somebody else. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. What about you, Tyler? What did you rate this song? I give it two out of five harmonica solos because Mark Lowry's original version had a harmonica breakdown in the middle of the song. It's like an old country western harmonica. You know, one of the songs, one of the questions that we ask of these songs is how much they change from the original version. I wonder if the lyrics have changed much. The version that I watched, which looked to be from the early 90s or late 80s, had identical lyrics. That's incredible. So... Clearly, then, the producers did not have their way with this one. Maybe they thought that it was going to bomb. They just thought, all right, we'll let this guy do this. Maybe, maybe. He also said, Incredible. I think it was, it was probably seven years between yes. the time he wrote it and the time it finally got yes. music. So it could have undergone a lot of transformation in that time. Yeah. Wow. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Worship Review for this discussion about Mary Did You Know. And listener, did you know that you can check us out online at theworshipreview.com? Check us out on Twitter. Follow us. Give us feedback. Send us money. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) You've been listening to the Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.